Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is the greatest and best song in the world. Long time ago, me and my brother Kyle here. So we're here at the Ramada in um, way outskirts of London town, it feels like, is with it? car gas. Yeah, this is like out of town. Out of town? Yeah. I mean, I guess you get kind of scenic drives coming back after the show. It's a little bit more, you know, yeah. almost country. Yeah, yeah. This is your second time playing The Big Smoke. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. It's not really... Um uh, it's not really our main uh, main focus. We usually have been doing Germany, and and we just went to France for the first time, and that was uh, that was quite an experience. Yeah, how so? Well, uh, they uh, they're an interesting uh, bunch over there. They really. Uh, yeah, they're a mixed bag. <laughs> the so crowds, or you just mean the, the crowd, people and the... the people that sort of run the, uh, the promoters and such. Right. Very. Uh, we've kind of heard. Well, they hardballing you. Uh, well, they like to save money. They don't. They sort of pretend like they didn't get the information right about anything. And uh, oh, really? You want paying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, no, the fans were great. We were surprised. I didn't really know. You know, you always first time you go there. It's like, oh, you always hope. But, yeah. Uh, but we played one show uh, uh, in France, uh, in Paris, at Tenacious D, and uh, it was insane. We we'd always uh, Jack never liked to play uh, uh, people that might not get the language, like, right? Might not get the jokes, and so we you know stuck by the UK and and uh, but yeah no they just went crazy. I think there was sort of a a build up I guess there was because the fans really wanted us to come and 
And uh, yeah, who knew? They like rock. How, how about Australia? Did you ever tour much down there with yeah, the day? Yeah, we do that. Did they lap it up? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're just, yeah, they like that sort of thing. <laughs> The, uh, the comedy and yeah yeah the good times the rock mm. and the roll uh, let's take it back to the start if you wouldn't mind Carl whilst we've got some time oh, yes. I'd like to take you down memory lane Gas first of all I mean the origins of that name what where are they I think it's uh, I think it's back to Germany right I think uh, yeah I think both sides of the family sort of uh, came out of the uh, dramatic tribes you don't meet many gases, do you? No, no. I think they're... <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I think it helps you growing up, though. Does it? I was going to say, I mean, obviously yeah, kids are uh, unforgiving, aren't but, uh, they? Yeah, but I, I sort of... I don't know if I was a little precocious. It always seemed a little silly. Like, everybody's name, you can kind of do something to to make fun Yeah, of. yeah, yeah. So, I actually ran into more uh, trouble. Uh, my first instrument was the flute. I decided yep. that that was really the way I wanted to go I just it was it was portable I like the sound of it and uh, but apparently it's a feminine instrument apparently of, so yeah to a lot of the guys on the schoolyard so that was a little bit so the combo of the surname yeah. and the instrument yeah you had to toughen up you know and how did you toughen up did you toughen up with wit yeah I always found some uh, yeah safety in the humor and uh, also my parents I think if I could make my parents laugh it seemed like things went better and you could get out of trouble right yeah get out of trouble I guess I mean so you have one brother who's called Matt I have two older brothers two yeah three and six so you were the youngest of three yeah sort of a classic yeah. did you play up to the youngest kid role as well and yeah I allow? did everything uh, everything yeah I, I was sort of the diplomat helped you know everyone get along the uh, the, uh, the fool the, the, uh, the class clown so yeah. to speak and uh, yeah a little irresponsible and then my brothers, you know, reminded me every day how I wasn't as smart as them. Right. Every day. In a nice way or in kind of like yeah, a, just, you know, a patronizing very, very way? smart guy. <laughs> right, right. You know, one's like a computer guy, kind of a Silicon Valley guy. And the other guy, is this, uh, he's a very uh, successful engineer. Right. Um, and so uh, they are smarter than me. So it wasn't So hard. they were right. Yeah, they were right. <laughs> so I had to go. I think it helped me go into the different direction. I think uh, it was always about... Uh, gaining favor I think uh, or uh, getting getting uh, mom's attention yeah we're all just sort of battling for that and my mom had a weakness for show business so actually my whole career is just a testament to try to just trying to win over the love of your mom right yeah and she had this brilliant uh, I don't think she even knew it but it's uh it's a little bit of withholding of approval she's not giving it all up all up yeah that's very good but you know you could have and it was like she created this achievement machine Uh uh-huh so that it's never enough you never enough. It's like, mom, I, I won the Grammy and uh, I'm playing in front of uh, 200,000 people and uh, I'm going to be, well, that, that's very good, but, you know, there's always something. So, yeah. uh, so I'm extremely unhappy and <laughs> I need a lot of therapy, but thank you. Well, this is hopefully, you know, it's free therapy as well. So. Is it free? It's free, man. It's going to cost you a dime. Even the coffee is on me. <laughs> wow. um, California, that's, that was where you grew up, right? Mm-hmm. California in the 60s and 70s. I mean, obviously you were young, but was it a crazy place to grow up, it as really you'd was. imagine it was, you especially know, I, at that time? I look back on that, and it was some formative years, and, you know, t- it, whatever's happening when you're a kid seems like, oh. But even then, like, uh, I was born in 60, so and I had older brothers, and so they were... At one sort of, you know, turning me on to kind of the, all the uh, the '60s uh, rock groups at the time, and I, I was really you know, just fixated on them. Like, I remember just staring at like a Bob Dylan album, like a cover, just just like. Which one do you remember? Uh, actually, it was the greatest hits. Just him and his kind of like the weird, yeah, the, the uh, uh, you know, he had that uh, 
cover. A Tim Pan Alley look going on, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, all those records, I would just, you know, you'd always stare at the records and listen. And so that was really kind of where I gained kind of the music. But the political time, I mean, like 68, when, you know, people, when Kennedy was shot and Martin Luther King, and, and it was such upheaval and the, and the war and the thing. It, was, yeah. it seemed like it was quite a, quite a crazy time. And just as much as that, in a way, was uh, was the Watergate around '74. I was yeah. 14, and I remember just being—it's uh, just uh, I was glued to the TV at that young age. I've always enjoyed kind of politics. And... Were you aware of a loss of innocence from an early age then? Because it was a nationwide dawning, obviously around that time with American was, yeah. consciousness. It did seem like we went from this kind of Leave It to Beaver uh, culture with some famous suburban show back then into uh, uh, kind of a multicultural. Uh, yeah, revolution. I mean, everything was, was changing. You know, the music and the, uh, the sexual sort of revolution and, and feminism and yeah, it was really quite a heady time, which we're still kind of into. Although now it seems like we're coming to uh, to the end of something. <laughs> the end of oh, days. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's really a heady time. It's hard to really wrap my head around it. I never, I never, I never expected this sort of thing. With the Trump and the, the Brexit, I don't know. Things are going really crazy. It's a scary time it for is. Western "quote unquote" democracy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. does democracy exist in our society anymore? As we'd like to think <laughs> that it should <laughs> and could. Well, I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> or have the idiots just taken over? Yeah. What came first for you, comedy and acting, or music, or were the two always, you know, intertwined? I think. Um, I think both had a fascination, but acting was kind of the uh, was the thrust, really, all right. the way, really into my twenties. Uh, and music was there as kind of almost like a fallback or something that I knew I could do, uh, something that wasn't a traditional sort of working. Yeah, thing. I mean, I was looking for a way out. Yeah, man. I mean, I knew. <laughs> I'm <it>. same. <laughs> what can I do? Yeah. Is there anything? And I thought, well, these are my skills. I like. I feel like I, you know, I can do that. Um, and uh, perform and and so I thought yeah I'll just give it a shot your early resume I mean well your whole resume is impressive but your early resume for me growing up you were in all the movies that I was in love with Biodome <laughs> Idle Hands I mean every oh, film that I've sort of gone really? looked through the list of things that you've been in I've gone yeah. that was a big part of my childhood growing up I mean I guess the first one for you your breakthrough sort of film and role I guess which is quite out of sync with the rest of your career which is largely focused on comedy was Jacob's Ladder which was this kind of very dark psychological thriller starring uh, Tim Robbins about a Vietnam vet kind of you know uh, pains with the things that he's seen the whole movie was really uh, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge you ever read that short story? No it was uh, was a famous short story that we all had to read in in, uh, school and basically it's a guy uh, in the old west getting hanged and then, uh, as he's being hanged, he uh, he goes through his whole escape, and he escapes, and he, you know, whatever happens, and he's able to run home, and of course, the last thing is, you know, yeah. of course, it was all in his mind, and it's, uh, I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this, I've seen this bit before, yeah, uh, but I just had a theater. You know, I think I was in uh, the credits longer than the movie. <laughs> it was fun to be in. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, looking through the list here, oh, um, Biodome, was that the first time 
Was it Tenacious D then? Yeah. Because you and Jack are in the yeah, scene where they're going, save the trees, save those fucking trees, yeah. <laughs> playing the guitars. And that was, I guess, the world's introduction outside of Hollywood to Tenacious D, right? Yeah, that was kind of a, a fluky situation. We had just started, I think. I don't, I don't remember what year that was. 96, I think. 96, yeah. yeah. Well, it actually been playing a couple years. I think we started uh, 94 proper. And uh, Jack just went to school uh, with the director of that film, and right. you know, he sort of threw us a bone there. I was like, wow, this is. And it was kind of a just one of the beginning of series of sort of seemingly accidental, but happenstance things that just led to this crazy tenacious D thing. How did you meet Jack? Jack, uh, well, we all um, came from UCLA theater department. Right. We went to UCLA, and then uh, a friend, uh, and then we started with Tim Robbins, the Actors Gang. Oh, okay. Political theater group. Uh, I knew there was a Tim Robbins link in there somewhere, because obviously Jacob's Ladder, and then you've uh, got uh, The Credible Rock, and then um, Dead Man Walking, Jackson That, and there's yeah, all, yeah. and High Fidelity, there's all, all these Tim Robbins, it all, yeah, it all it comes all back to Tim Robbins, from, right? Uh, yeah, this theater group called right. the Actors Gang, and uh, it sprung from UCLA, was sort of what we did after uh, some idealistic you know, college students going out there and trying to make a difference. And uh, and then uh, I met, I'm nine years older than Jack, and so I met him when he was at UCLA. Nine years later, a friend uh, a friend of mine actually was a teaching assistant at a, at a high school and met Jack. And uh, he was kind of the... Uh, the new kid on the block, yeah, right? Well, the new kid, yeah. I and mean, you, you heard about kind of like, this kid is really... Was he always kid. powerful and yeah. dynamic? He and really started, yeah. It would be nice to say that... He blossomed, he him, but... Yeah, but uh, he, we knew. You could sort of tell that he was special. And, and part of his, his sort of package was this amazing voice. Mm-hmm. And he would... Uh, but I was fascinated that he didn't play an instrument. I'd never met anybody that just sang and sang so well and it was that was their instrument. And he was the big Bobby McFerrin actor. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was like and then he uh, did a play, did uh, did a play with us and that's that's how I met him. Uh, yeah. And then I was uh, I was pretty impressed and actually a little uh, you know, he was uh, like I said much younger but he I could tell he was, uh, it was kind of, you can't beat him, join him. And I was like, whoa, I better, uh, better hook up with this guy. <laughs> I mean, your two characters seem quite opposing in a complimentary way. Would that be safe to say? It's sort of like a yin and yang. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Jack is, uh, as they say, a force of nature. You sort of, and I, I think I was smart enough to realize, because at first I thought, oh, maybe we'll be kind of like a, Everly Brothers or sort of like a you know Simon and Garfunkel funny tight harmonizing with each other yeah but then uh, it didn't take long before I like oh Jack's gotta sing and I'm gonna be yeah kind of uh, accompanying the situation and more perhaps a straight man yeah thing but my goal really was to make it work and uh, and I was willing kind of to do anything to make it work and, and make Jack feel give them a platform to, to really do that thing and uh, it hasn't always been easy because you know I'm a ham and if you see the Kyle Gas Band was actually part of it was invented just so I could you know talk on stage yeah. <laughs> I mean just kind of be out there and do my uh, stand up workshop as it were 
So, um, what do you remember from some of the early shows? Because you must have had quite a buzz, and you must have had quite the exciting clientele, as it were, at some of those early shows. Do any yeah. spring to mind as kind of like wow yeah. moments? Yeah, I mean, like an early show, like like celebrities would show up, and we were far from being sort of celebrities, and like like David Schwimmer would show <laughs> up, and Ben Stiller would be there, and he's like, we heard Ben liked us, and then uh, uh, an early show at the Viper Room. Uh, we're right before a show, and, and uh, uh, peeks through the curtain is Dave Grohl. Hey guys, just came down to see the show. Have a good show. And, we're like, and then is that is that Dave Grohl? Is he watching our show at this little club? I mean, so that's where that connection came about. Yeah. It's just literally him being a fan. He, uh, a guy, worked in the Viper Room and uh, just told that we were doing like a month of Sundays, a little residency, and and it was like the third one, and the guy there. Uh, Said, hey Dave, can you see these guys? You know, Dave's funny and he likes that sort of thing. You really got to see these guys. And then two Sundays goes by, oh, Dave, you should come down and see these guys. And then he finally does, and, uh, and yeah, that was kind of it. Sudden, Amazing. We're in, uh, yeah, once again, a series of kind of random. But at the time, it was one of those timing things. At the time, there was sort of this alternative comedy yeah. in the 90s. And uh, we just. For instance, 94, our first gig, we never, we were actors, we didn't know how, what is, how does this gigging thing, how do you get a gig? And we were playing like at the theater for friends, and it really was sort of getting too good to stay home. We knew it was like, this is really good. I mean, we can kind of tell, but we didn't know how to get a gig, and a friend of ours said, hey, you can open for me at this place called Al's Bar, which was really kind of LA CBGB's, I mean, it was smelled like shit <laughs> you know, it was very very dank downtown it was just about as dank pretty cool place actually and we did uh, is it ruining your sound? well I don't know hopefully it'll be alright that's someone starting a jeep by the way in case you want <laughs> and seemingly not moving <laughs> as you were Carl carry on um, pull, pull for jeep we'll, we'll, cut, uh, we'll, we'll cut back in hopefully when the, uh, but we really, the jeep's gone we opened gone. for these guys and we really we had one song we only had tribute brilliant that was the first song you wrote? First song we wrote. And it's been <laughs> downhill from there. <laughs> Without any disrespect, I mean, that's, if you're going to start like that, you're setting yourself up to fall, right? Yeah, yeah. It was really, uh, yeah, we just, I remember like three days straight, we just worked on this thing. And I remember uh, Jack really came up with the hook of like, you can't, my thing was like, you know, we could just write the greatest song, right? This, 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 this. We could do that, right? And it's like, no, you can't. You can't just do that. Thing that we could write a tribute and then kind of set us in motion and it really was kind of a stairway sort of yeah yeah talk off. Um, well all great uh you know art is imitation but reworked through your own specific filter holds, right unless it's too close i found myself <laughs> i had a song that a fan pointed out that i i sort of plagiarized myself on which is uh and i didn't even notice that i had done it but uh yeah, it's a little... It's always hard. Are you a musician? Yeah. I'm not. No, I'm one of those admirers from the outside. Oh, yeah. It's always... You're always like... Am I, where is, is that original? Is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's too good, like, right? This chord progression is too yeah. good. Someone <laughs> someone must have done this before. Yeah. Yeah, the melody. Um, you were talking a moment ago about that kind of 90s alternative comic movement. I mean, Cable yeah. Guy would be a good film to focus on in that respect. Ben Stiller obviously directed that movie, and it was mm-hmm. a super dark film... For him to do and for Jim Carrey to do at that time, you know, Jim Carrey was huge for the mask, Dumb and Dumber, Ice Ventura, and it was yeah, you know true. quite light 
family friendly and then all of a sudden here's this super dark you know obsessive character that he's yeah. created with Ben uh, Matthew Broderick as well it's a dark film for him and you look down the list of the supporting actors in that film I mean yourself and Jack is in it yeah. uh, David Cross yeah. Andy Dick Leslie Mann uh, Bob Odenkirk who of course people will now know as Sol Goodman yeah I mean that's an insane lineup of comic talent and uh, at that stage right all on the rise like not quite the stars that they are today. No, it's true. It's kind of like a, a Dazed and Confused or an American Graffiti or a Cameron Crowe. You see, uh, once in a while, just uh, someone has kind of the vision to pick all these people out and, and then they go on. Um, what do you remember from that film, from that set? I mean, I know, again, your part was yeah, yeah. fairly, Actually, fairly I small. I was but... really overwhelmed. It was like a huge film for me. Yeah. I remember there was like a hundred people and cameras and it all sort of led to this bed <laughs> and I was on this bed and I had to do this thing and uh, yeah it was it was as simple as it was I you know it was pretty nerve-wracking it was a big moment in your life yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Idle Hands what do you remember from that one Idle Hands uh, I Seth Green yeah The Offspring are in that film are as well they, yeah they play the prom at the end I think yeah I don't think I saw it <laughs> I don't think I saw that one I did loads <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I don't really remember that one. <laughs> I'm going to just throw this question at you. Is it safe to say that around this time? Yeah. Bam. You want the key? I'll be up in a minute. Hi. Hi. It's Matt. My brother. Um, yes. I feel like I've been thrown now. Is that your better half? What's that? Yes. She's going to know your dark yeah, secrets. I her in today, actually. Oh, wow. London. She needs a she needs a break. A lot of these movies were quite synonymous with stoner culture. Yeah. And you know the occasional tenacious D lyric perhaps alludes to. It does seem like we're kind of yeah celebrating that. Yeah. I mean, it's are you are you on the fence of legalization? Well, Where do you California, sit? Dude. So you're already there. <laughs> you, you, the, you, we, we're living the in the future. No, it seems uh, it seems like one of those uh, uh, is the bending it's trending I mean there's you're not gonna stop it I mean in the states once you realize that it's it's actually medicine to help yeah. people uh, that's always kind of how uh, they get their foot in the door with the uh, medical marijuana and then of course everyone has a headache and yeah yeah and then you realize that oh, yeah. do you have a card what's that no no you got a dealer you keep it old school what's that <laughs> well, certainly I can talk about my drug use on your, on your blog even with your clever questions yeah maybe I might once in a while oh for god sakes I'm a musician yeah right please and bong water as well I mean if the clue oh, if the clue's not in that one. Oh, wow. yeah, that was, I forgot god I forget about all these um let's go to let's. almost famous um oh. as a you know, a jobbing actor who gets sent and reads a lot of scripts. When you come across a script like that, do you just know that it's going to be a classic well, film? Well, actually, that one, I don't think we were allowed to read the script. Okay, you know, wow. Crow was really hot, I right. think, at the time. <clears throat> and that was one of those... <clears throat> and when you're really hot, like a Tarantino, you, yeah. you might get a couple pages uh -huh. or, like, watermarked, and they'll have a guard come with you. and <laughs> Gun uh, to your head, like, yeah, you can't was, leave the room. Uh, that was interesting. Cameron uh, was... Uh, saw Tenacious D play and, and enjoyed it and I was like wow once again some big guy yeah. but that's one of the things you get in Hollywood it's so can, unique to that place right yeah. I mean there's nowhere else on earth like that no everybody lives there and uh, you know, if you do something you might be seen by somebody um, but he uh, yeah so he was and then he called me about this role and it wasn't like 
an audition, we sort of came in and and we just sort of talked about it for a while. Like this guy, this uh, he was uh, one of those FM DJs from way back, and and I was like, yeah, I remember those guys. They're all stoned all the time. It's, <laughs> it's all really yeah, yeah, super cool. And that was the, that was the vibe. I was like, yeah, I remember that guy. And we would sort of work on it together. Like I would read stuff, and he'd tape everything, and and I came back like three months later, and sort of like I had the part, or we were sort of workshopping the part. I think basically a, a long audition for right. it. Right. Uh, Much more enjoyable than standing in a room full of people and, oh, and reading, right? Yeah, and he is like the nicest guy. Yeah. And really, uh, and you know, Norris' history is like, this is his uh, this is his love letter to rock and his, his uh, formative years being a reporter and all that. So you knew you were in for something good. And then uh, finally when we, uh, when I sort of got the part officially and then we started uh, rehearsing with the band, we, you know, the Stillwater band and, and we would have these they would rehearse and, as a real band and then we would uh, you know do everything which is very unusual for a movie usually just show up on the set so it was quite an experience but what a disappointment when I was cut out of the uh, theatrical version it was uh, yeah. I remember I was really excited to see it and uh, oh they didn't I tell think, you no they, oh well, man they didn't and I actually I found a preview in Pasadena. I said, wow, I'm going to go just right out there and be part of the preview audience. And I was watching, and like, I could sort of know the progression of the story. Like, And then as they went past, I'm like, wow, oh. that's it. And that's Hollywood. Yeah. There is, uh, it's just an up and down thing. You yeah. never know. You know. I remember one time I got a very, very starving actor, and I got two national commercials, which was kind of the the holy grail for the commercial good money actor. right yeah, good yeah. Money. in one day I mean you know I could go months without getting a commercial yeah. all of a sudden I got two and of course both of them didn't run and <laughs> it's just that yeah you just you need you perseverance know. and grit right <sighs> I guess so but I can't do anything else so it's easier to go forward or you can't do anything else <laughs> but um what a magical time, man. And then, you know, the best part is, I mean, looking through kind of the timeline of your life and career, I think 2000, 2001, the turn of the millennium, um, that's when, obviously, Jack was in High Fidelity, and he kind of went from the cameo actor to the supporting role, and that kind of... Well, I dare say... Uh, pushed the uh, door for High Shallow. Fidelity really sort of led him into, you know, uh, School of Rock, which yeah. was really... But yeah, High Fidelity was the one. That was his best out. And, uh, and then, I mean, how do you guys go from gigging to deciding, right, we're going to get two of the greatest music producers of the last couple of decades, the Dust Brothers. These guys were sharp and they were hot. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite a heady experience. Actually, uh, Mike Simpson, one of the Dust Brothers, we just took a meeting with him and he was just like, you know, sell us on. I think I know I had to work with you guys. And then... Uh, and when it came time, yeah, we were big fans of those records. And, uh, but we had that uh, sort of major label cloud at the time. It was kind of the very end of the record. How did you get signed? Just peeled off the back of the live shows? Uh, it was, well... Or was it the rising stars yeah, we of both were, of you combined? Uh, with? Uh, we were like cult stars on HBO for years before... Because we of the show. Deal. And it was took a long time to get this deal. And uh, so that, our HBO show first was on 97... And then we did it again in 99, and and uh, we've been playing, kind of blowing up in the clubs and playing uh, uh, 
playing like Aspen Comedy Festival and doing well there, all without a record deal. And I was like, Jack, we are missing out. I mean, years are going by. And uh, and is the acting it, keeping you both in room and board and? Uh, maybe for Jack, right? Not for me, right? Right. I mean, so you were like, "Come on, dude!" Like, no, well, yeah. This is like, well, we have this, yeah. this thing. Yeah. I mean, I know this is hot, and and it was uh, there was a there was a conflict between me and Jack versus uh, uh, which a lot of bands go through when they go through a major label versus the independent. And Jack was much more on the independent, and I was like, I know that the major label is gonna screw you, basically. I mean, that's how they operate. But they can make you huge, and they can get you around the world because back then that's how it worked. And that's yeah. how they distribute. I said I'm willing to sacrifice that for being like a mate instead of being sort of this, you know, uh, artist on an indie that may not get the get the views. So that was difficult, and we went back and forth. And uh, but the best part about it was the wooing process. I mean, right. <laughs> we we were wine and dine. We went over to Jimmy Iovine's house. And Who's that, the head of Sony? He, uh, he was um, um, uh, what the hell, Universal, I think, right. at the time. And he, you know, he's a big, big cheese. Uh, and, I mean, going to his house, it was insane. He can't hear. He was playing this, like, big screen of his latest TV show so loud. We're like, is he serious? He obviously blown out his ears. Yeah, yeah. He was an engineer and so. <laughs> And uh, and then all of a sudden he takes a call from like Axl Rose. I mean, is this really happening? Are you really talking to <laughs> Axl Rose? And then it's like John Lennon's piano is in this fucking bathroom or some shit. I mean, this is crazy shit. Yeah. And uh, and that was just one of them. And then you know every major would just at that time and all of a sudden you know we're at a Laker game and we're here and we knew courtside seats. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, you're just drawing it out. It's like wow, this is really and it does you know you know it doesn't go on forever. But finally, uh, a and our guy named Matt Marshall. Uh, just relentlessly pursued us and then we somehow chose Sony and then uh, we had a budget and then we got some proper management with uh, John Silva and um, and uh, who managed the Foo Fighters and Beck and all the so the Dust Brothers were kind of in the mix and, uh, and yeah and they went for it but now that being said they weren't uh, they weren't really the premier rock they didn't quite it was interesting how they were and, uh, well, they polished up this thing that you had, right, and made it. Well, the big thing they did was slick. We were just, and two, uh, we were just two guitars. Yeah, because it's a raw acoustic. And they said, "Well, that's what we do. We, should we blow this up to a band?" It's like, "Well, we don't do that. We don't have a band." We're, you know. But they convinced us, and uh, and that was probably the major breakthrough. And then getting Dave Grohl the drum on it was huge. And and uh, yeah, it took a long time, but I was happy with the product. When you think about that specific time, as a kid growing up in that time, there was a few bands and a few music videos that just captured the zeitgeist and were so synonymous with that post-millennial time. There was Limp Biscuit rolling. There was Blink-182, all the small things. Um, there was NSYNC and Britney Spears and stuff like that. There was obviously Marilyn Manson and Eminem. And there was Tenacious D. And that tribute video was, and it was a top 10 hit single for you as well. Really? But Where? yeah, in the UK. Not in the, not in, uh, in the not UK. In the well, yeah. So and that we, video was just like the most played, watched. Really? I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. 
Not in the States. Right? Yeah. Is that because the comedy, the element, the humour didn't translate as well over there? What do you think that was? Because uh, you couldn't move for Tenacious D well, in the UK well, around that time. Sure, but I can't believe <laughs> you're just learning this now. No, I mean, <laughs> you I must have known. Because uh, it took a while for you to come over and do a proper tour, right? Yeah, yeah, it took a while. Uh, yeah, it's always uh, funny when that happens. Because uh, if it doesn't happen in your country, it doesn't seem like it happens. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, if you don't know it's happening, yeah. Like, it's like, it's always, Los Angeles is actually our least popular city. Where right. I don't know if that's common for other artists. Is it because that LA cool thing? People go to the show yeah. and just fold their arms. Yeah, just Come on, impress me, guy. Impress me. And plus, we see you around town all the time. Yeah. We've seen you for years. <laughs> uh, Liam Lynch was a key factor as well in the you know the visual representation of the band. He'd later go on to do the Pick of Destiny feature film with you as well, but. Mm-hmm. How did that relationship come about? Um, what's his deal? Because I guess, again, he is perhaps most famous over here as the United States of whatever guy. Oh, that, yeah. that was a huge hit over here. Yeah. Everyone knows that song. Everyone yeah. knows him as, oh, that's that guy. But, yeah. you know, he is a, a real that master a, of... That was a real... That was... Uh, he didn't have... A, uh, <laughs> just a fluke. Yeah, yeah, I completely. Mean, we were... We were uh, and he didn't even want to sort of do that yeah. I mean that's not even his threat he's the director and, and a puppeteer yeah, and yeah an artist show. right yeah he does his own, all his own shows and has his own sort of thing and I remember at the time we were like I think we were making the record and, and uh, we knew Liam and we were doing some videos with him and he was a friend of ours and uh, we shoot things for like no money we just go out and shoot them and, and then all of a sudden it's like you've got a song on the radio it's the what is going on <laughs> Right now, that thing was everywhere. Yeah. How did you come to meet him? What was he? Was he Sarah Silverman's guy to begin with? No. That was really. He just came up to Jack at a club and really just talked his way in. He said, uh, "You know, love your stuff, and uh, you should check out my stuff." And uh, because he's very, he's very in with the whole kind of Queens of the Stone Age, Eagles of Death Metal, Desert Rock scene as well, right? I think we might have helped him sort of get in there a little bit. Right, right, right. uh, And is that your scene? Are you involved with those guys? Are you friends of those guys? Is that your uh, world, or uh, is that more Jack's uh, world? That's might be. uh, You know, we're 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 Hollywood friends with him. I don't hang with him, but you know, we've worked on benefits and done various things. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're in that world. But I'm not calling him up and asking him to come over. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. Uh, I don't see anybody. I just <laughs> when I'm off the road. You know. Do you? Are you very much a stay at home, enjoy yeah, the the I quieter do. family I life? Yeah, I like to. Uh, yeah, I don't go out a lot. It's very stimulating. Is that an age thing, or is that because it's just never really been something that you? I think I think it's part of. Are drawn to the whole. I'm just old and boring now, but. Uh, but, uh, what about when you got that deal and you you know were this huge comedy duo rock band? Um, did you celebrate? Did you? Oh, as a kid, did you go? Did story. you go off the, the rails a little bit? In life. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was always oh just about going off the rails. But I will say, being a little older at the time when it happened, I think had that sort of success happened in my twenties, I could definitely see being dead or something. Right. And very easily. I'm you know compulsive and yeah yeah have to kind of watch myself. Yeah, you start snorting rails and <laughs> drinking uh, too much, and yeah, it's fun to live the life. Definitely fun to dip, dip in, and then after you have it a while, it's kind of like rich food. Yeah, like, right. All right, I get it. I'm okay. full. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but when it happens, yeah, you just can't quite believe. Uh, What's one of the wildest, craziest moments you remember sticks to mind? Where you're oh, like, how's I mean, this I my life? Or just like we were like you know a big tour bus and. Uh, 
and I just picked out a girl from the just said you want to ride on the bus uh, and we just took her on the bus and we just rode around for a few gigs I mean just crazy uh, I remember remember mother-daughter uh, followed us back to the hotel. Every man's dream. Hey, well, except, yeah, they weren't quite in the uh, All right. quite in the league we wanted. I was like, is this really happening? Yeah, this is, you guys are crazy. I think I ran back to my hotel. No, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a wimp, pretty much. Who's the most maybe unlikely or unsuspecting person you ever partied with? Played with? Partied with. Oh, partied with. Uh, you ever end up with Val Kilmer or anyone like that? I know he was obviously in your yeah, yeah, promo yeah. video for the Rise of the Phoenix yeah, album. Yeah. Well, I love that guy. Partied with, well, one of the greatest gets with uh, Danny McBride. Just, I love that guy. Yeah, I mean, just the funniest guy. He has world. to be probably the funny for me, the funniest man in the world right now. I would say so. We uh, just watched all of um, uh, Eastbound and Down yeah. on, the, on the bus and, uh, <laughs> or on the van, rather. <laughs> and uh, yeah, time flew by. I just can't believe it. What the? How much they push the envelope? And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. He's genius, man. We wrote that. Um, well, the roadie, the roadie video. We're like, there's only one person <laughs> we have can do this, <laughs> and it's one of those things. Like, I guess when you're us, sometimes you get to, you know, you ask Danny McBride and he does it. Yeah. It's just the most amazing thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, there's a couple more people on the list of collaborations over the years that really stand out. Dio is one. Dio. Obviously, you wrote the song Dio on the first album. Yeah. He approved, right? And he invited you to then well, be in. that was, uh, you know, we wrote that song and uh, Jack is always a big fan and uh, yeah, we wrote that song, and then we're still like, yeah, we just feel like we're nobodies. And I was like, oh, I wonder, do you think Dio will ever hear that song? He's like, well, yeah, I mean, we're pretty popular now. He'll probably hear it. I'm like, what's he gonna think? Is he gonna be mad? You know, is he gonna like, well, we kind of diss him a little bit? Like, no, no. And then uh, finally, we get word that yeah, Dio has heard it somehow, and he liked it. And then he asked us to be in the video, this video called Push. Yeah. And so then we get to meet him and. 
What was he like he's as a man? He's just the nicest guy. You just can't can't say enough about him. He was a really, really great guy. Just generous with his time and uh, invited us over to his house and, and uh, was just really sweet. A really sweet man. Very talented, too. He was so talented. Uh, and uh, really was uh, tiny. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he drove this little uh, Mercedes you know, 280 <laughs> SL. I was like, that's the perfect car for you. <laughs> wow, great guy. And then, what, of course, we used him in the Pick of Destiny. And, With the loaf. With I mean, you've got those two on your opening track on your sophomore album. I mean, yeah, that's, that's badass. <laughs> that is pretty badass. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, Were they in the studio at the same time with you? No, no. no. I mean, man, man, imagine that. No, no, that was uh, yeah. That was the, tri- the studio trick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, how did you get the loaf involved? How did that come about? Well, you know, he hadn't sang in a movie since uh, Rocky Horror. Surely King. not, really. Well, wow, which I was surprised. Like, yeah. So we're like, well, he's not going to want to do it. I don't quite understand why, because he's so theatrical. And, but, uh, yeah, somehow uh, the clout of Hollywood and the movie and uh, us at the time was enough to get him involved. And, uh, yeah, perfect for the part. Perfect for the part. Although now uh, now that I know that he's a horrible Republican, it's, right. uh, it's really hard to swallow. I'm glad I didn't know at the time. Where do you stand on that between separating the music and the man and the... Uh, the political ideology the art of the, the artist? artist? Yeah. It's hard for me. If I know too much, it does sort of dissuade me a little bit. I want to like the person. It's probably not fair, and you should separate it. But honestly, I wasn't that... I mean, I liked Meatloaf, I suppose, but it was hard to swallow. It's like, oh, It just seems so, I don't know, unsavory. Well, you guys, are, you know, even on record, you're a little bit political. It might be wrapped in a cloak of comedy, but there's always at least one political song on every yeah. Tenacious D record. Overtly as well, not even like subtly. It's yeah. like you're right, like City Hall and the government totally sucks. And uh, what was on the last one? What was political? On Rise of the Phoenix, maybe not on that one. One, one doesn't spring to mind, but definitely those first two. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think we're you know. Do you share very similar political beliefs to, to Jack? Are you yeah, very, yeah, we're we're uh, we call them limousine liberals, right? Uh, where you know rich guys riding around telling everybody to you know share their wealth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're full of shit, but uh, it's very. But your heart's in the right place, yeah. Yeah. Well, one would hope. Yeah. I think pretty progressive and kind of uh, yeah. I'd say we're pretty lefties in general. The friendship that exists between the two of you as well. I mean, to get to conquer the world with your best friend must be quite a unique, joyful. Yeah, you know, incredible experience. Does it ever become corrupted by the business? Does it oh, ever God. risk Are you with you nuts? with you two? Of course it does. It does, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's impossible not to. Do you think that's the case for everyone in the history of yes. all okay. well, I would partnerships I and would duos? Imagine. And I mean, um, do you think then it's the kind of thing that you should never get into business with your best friend? No, I only no? Actually always only do like it. to work with friends. Right. Ironically, but the tenacious D thing combined with Jack's rise. I mean, not just a I mean, he's he's like an A-list movie guy. I mean, that's just very unusual. And then that, of course, would get in the way of hanging out, and doing well, normal yeah, things, yeah. And and, uh, and we went through some some pretty heady times. I mean, um, did you? I yeah. I, uh, I kind of fell apart a couple of times about it. Like when he, we were working on, um, uh, we were developing uh, Pick of Destiny, and then. And then School of Rock I was like 
did you do a rock movie before? I didn't know it was gonna be a huge hit, and I was like, you're doing a rock movie before we're we're doing our movie. I mean, you're kind of stealing our thunder, and then it's with kids. I mean, what is that? We're like, can you compete blue. with that? That's we're so cute. Blue. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it seemed kind of like, oh, what? A rock movie with the kids? That's so you know. But it ends up to be huge, and then I'm like, and I'm not in it, and then I'm like, I was very. It was very difficult. And then, Jack, working on movies, you know, that's a long time away. So I became sidelined. I think that's when I started uh, doing side projects. I'm like, I can't... Just be dormant, I can't right? Just, yeah, I just can't wait. I have to. I, I like it too much. and I like playing live. So in a way, it actually helped. You know, it sort of made some lemonade out of the lemons. Because uh, I really love my band now and have a great time and it's not Tenacious D size but what is you know it's, it's even Tenacious D arguably wouldn't be that size again right no I mean I remember seeing you guys in 2008 open for Metallica at Reading Festival you were incredible you were on fire that day <laughs> it was one of the greatest greatest shows <laughs> oh, it was the whole um, I told you to come dressed as wizards dude yes. not lizards yeah. and you're in the, it was fantastic and then you got the whole crowd to do the snake the whole way down the field I mean that's that's hard to replicate, right? And top moments like that. Yeah, yeah. I guess it is. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's. You remember that day? I do. I do actually. And those were, uh, yeah, opening for Metallica. <laughs> I should say so. We did it a few times. Uh, yeah, that's some pretty heady stuff. Um, so were you were you transparent and honest with Jack in the sense that when you felt like he was letting the band take the back seat, did you express the way you felt? <coughs> Yeah, I think I did. I mean, I didn't want to kill the goose. I mean, I still yeah. wanted to work on it. Uh, it was difficult because I also understood. I'm like, if I'm in that position, you sort of have to do it, and that's what he does, and he's good at it. And uh, so I had to deal with it, and I, I still deal with it today in terms of, uh, you know, we could probably be on an endless tour and make uh, a lot of money and have a lot of fun, but that's not the way it is, and you have to accept it. And uh, I enjoy it when it happens, and and, uh, and uh, I think it's worked because we're still really good friends after all the ups and downs and things. Everything goes through its ups and downs, though, and, right? Yeah, and actually, it's sort of what doesn't kill you makes, makes you stronger. stronger. And yeah, I think in some ways now the most comfortable and really kind of a very comfortable, beautiful place in our relationship it's very it's very uh it's very nice how is the rise of the phoenix album making that one was that kind of like well, getting the old band back together kind I, of vibe since i had to go to rehab in the middle of oh okay that, right i wasn't aware of that <laughs> right right uh, <laughs> in the middle smack in bang middle, in the middle right. and i think part of it was i wanted control or something i just kind of uh, did almost getting the band back together fuck with your head more than when it was on its break uh, it was really hard. Or is it just life? It was really, it was really hard. But I think for us and me, like the Ballad of Hollywood Jack, that really is kind of a true story. It really, that's kind of the song really dedicated to that, <laughs> the thing. Uh, and uh, once again, it was really hard to go through, but I think it kind of helped us out in the end. Jack really kind of rode to my rescue in a way and kind of proved him like wow I think maybe I was testing him like 
falling apart and are you gonna you know are you gonna save me here are you gonna you know and he did and so um, yeah it was a pretty heavy time difficult time but uh, came through it and uh, here we are do you still drink now are you sober what's that do you still drink I never really right I can't I don't know it doesn't taste that good to me right right but, uh, so you yeah, still are you still um, battling with those demons, or are you? No, I don't even know if it was. I think right. it might have been. The, it's more circumstantial, right? It might have been. I mean, I I think I was so frightened that it was all sort of going away, and and I just kind of fell apart, and I felt like I didn't have control of anything. And here was this great thing that we created that I felt was just sort of being taken away, and and uh, who knows? Everything conspired to. Uh, or maybe I'm just insane. I don't know. It's sort of hard to. <laughs> Everyone's a little bit crazy, right? Yeah, I guess. And the Carl Gas Band. I mean, what's that giving you from a musical standpoint? The humour in that is a lot drier. It's a lot more deadpan, I guess. A lot of the theatrics and Tenacious D come directly from Jack listening to the records. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's more straight down the line, almost musically straight, but perhaps with a you know a slight comic twist. Yeah, I would say there's the. I would hope there's a little more. Th- <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of a straight ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the new album's the Southern Herd, right? What's that? The Southern Herd. The Thundering. The, the Thundering Herd. The thundering Herd, yeah. And it's yeah. got a song called Bones on it. A bone. Yeah, that's amazing. A, that's a song about our drummer. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, we went uh, actually when we were we had to um, we knew we had to write a follow-up the album, but you know as they say you spend your whole life writing your first and six months writing your second. And we kind of fell prey to that. Like, we have to come up with this album from scratch. And and then I think Jack and I were starting to write at the time. And it was really difficult. Like, well, what do I sort of save the good ones for the D? Or yeah, yeah, how does yeah. It work? Uh, and it sort of paralyzed me. I couldn't write anything. And, uh, and so I thought, well, what could we write about that would... Uh, I could write about the band members. I mean, it was just like... It started with uh, it started with Bone. It was kind of a we just started working with this new drummer Tim, and I noticed that he was very popular amongst the ladies. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right, I've right, never right. Seen a guy like this? Yeah. I mean, this guy's got more game. It's kind of this Boy Scout sort of thing. I'm like, I got it. I'd only known him like three weeks. Ago, I, thought, I, thought, I got a song in here, and it's sort of to get off the Schneid, as it were. And so I wrote this little ditty about it, and then now the song Hell on High. Hell or High Water? Yeah. Um, I haven't gotten one song title right I know, yet. right? I'm fucking nervous because I literally listened to the album today for the first time. Wow. And so, you know, obviously... You just wanted to interview me. You didn't really care about the Kyle Gaspar. I do, because I'm asking you about it, Kyle. I love it. Um, <laughs> he- so, so on Spotify, it's called Hell or High. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think there were a lot of Hell or High... Uh, but it's the, the song from the new movie, right? It's not obviously that one, but it's Hell or High Water. Yeah, we wrote it like a year before that movie came out. That's, We're ahead of our got time. <laughs> I know, that was very surprising. Because that's yeah, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, isn't it? You've done the soundtrack to that. And yeah. I was listening to it, and I was like, is this the one that's on? Because the film's amazing. The film, yeah, I thought it was one of the best films I've seen. Really good. This year, yeah. Really, really good. Really good. So, that was so it's an old blue standard, I presume, right? Is it? It must be. I looked up Hell or High Water, and there's like 20 different... There's a... Right. Poison has a song, Hell or High Water. Right. It's a very common expression. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I thought it'd make a good song. I never... I don't look... I don't Google song titles to see, but I yeah. have to do on that one because... Then, Hence why it's come up as Hell or High. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for getting these song titles wrong, Carl. Bro Code, um, tell me who that one's about. 
bro code is about um, you know when you're on the road you gotta really stick together I noticed that uh, there becomes this kind of bro mentality you really you really kind of stick together and and uh, there's a code and uh, I know it felt like I had to write about it there were circumstances <laughs> in my personal life I okay. can't divulge right 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah it was necessary to write that song I think with comedy writing do you find that you are on the the far more honest end of the songwriting scale than your average songwriter because comedy has to come from a real place, right? Yes, Whether it's in your own life truth or... Truth equals comedy. That's where it comes from. I mean, uh, that's just where it comes from. I mean, when you... Or an acceleration of the truth. You're, you're just... Yeah, I think that's what people resonates in people. If it's not sort that's what we're laughing at. It's the sort of universal truths. I mean, hopefully. And I think people can kind of... If it doesn't sound authentic or doesn't resonate, you know, it doesn't work for people. So I think if it works for you, it makes you laugh, makes your bandmates laugh, then it's a good chance that others will find out. And are you still in the stand-up world? I never was. Never at all? Never Never at all? No, it's it's a terrifying world. Well, there's no bro code in touring as a comedian, right? No, safety in numbers. Hands solo. Safety in numbers. Yeah, I don't think I could do it. I think I could do it. In fact, KGB is really all just a ruse for me to work on my stand-up. It's all it is. And do you enjoy being the front and centre and, you yes. know, in the live show? Yes, yes. Even though... Uh, do you get a different buzz pre-show? <coughs> What's that? Do you get a different buzz pre-show? Yeah, I think actually Tenacious D is sometimes a little more nervy. Jack uh, Jack has a little bit of... Uh, he's a like anxious before a show. Um... And they're usually really big shows. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, I sort of get swept up in that. and, and uh, uh, Yeah, and then the Kyle Gass band, usually sort of a club. It's a looser thing. We'll just like swill Jack Daniels on stage. and It's kind of have a good time. And we've done it so much. It's just kind of, it's more, that's kind of the brand, as it were. This is friends, kind of have a good time and rock it. Is there anything left for you at this stage which, you know, that you'd still like to tick off your list of achievements and things yeah, you've I done? I think I could write one sort of funny book. And I think... I've got a title. Let me, let me run it by you. It's called Tenacious Me, Inside the Cage. I love that. I How love that. I did it. And maybe you can too, but probably not. <laughs> 10 out of 10 from me. Yeah, all right. As, Here you go. As like, what do, what do you call it when you uh, screen a film to <coughs> test audience? What yeah, do you call that? Uh, yeah, screening. Test, there you uh, go. Uh-huh. I approve wholeheartedly. Have you started? Uh, in my brain, I right. have. But, you know, writing a book is... Uh, a huge undertaking, yeah, right? it's really... You have would, to have. would you do it alone? Would you want that challenge of... I would want to, and then I'd probably fail and hire a ghostwriter. <laughs> I think that would be the... I can't believe Ozzy Osbourne wrote his. Have you read his book, I Am Ozzy? It's no. it, there's no mention of a ghostwriter. It's you know Ozzy Osbourne, the autobiography. His humor is. I mean, I've heard from many different people. His humor is just incredible anyway, yeah. because it's just so sophisticated and brummy and specific to yeah, him. Yeah. But I just can't imagine him sitting down at a typewriter and just yeah. getting four decades worth of hedonism. Wait, is this out? out. Is this out? Yeah, it's been out for years. Yeah, it's incredible. It's called I Am Ozzy. It's so good. I can't believe it's I so good. That. It's so good. I have to read that. <laughs> do you, what do you go up to on the road? Do you read much I books? Love, you podcasting? What's I your vibe? I have a weakness for rock documentaries. I and, and rock. By, I can't believe yeah. that one missed me. Oh man, you got to check it. Yeah. What have you? 
what have you seen or read recently? That's uh, well, I read uh, uh, the Warren Zevon. Amazing. Uh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a great book. And uh, were you a Lemmy guy? Were you a fan of the Lem? Well, not that much, really. You know, we had uh, we we we. We played a song, actually the roadie, uh, when Jack, we wrote that song for a jazz video game, actually. <laughs> we had this thing where we were opening for, um, what's Lemmy's band? What are they called? Motorhead, yeah. Motorhead. <laughs> that's, uh, the yeah that's the one. That it's just one. on the tip of my tongue. And, uh, yeah, we were going to open, just play that one song for him uh, before his uh, show in L.A. And it was all set up, and then apparently no one really told him that we were. Right. Hey, what's he got? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, he, what, fuck them. <laughs> and he didn't want us to do it. Like, Did he we're not? Like, we're like here. We gotta do it. And the manager was like, we didn't know. And then we sort of had to kind of rush the stage a little bit and do it. But we just chalked it up. You can't take it personally. That's the one documentary I love. Is the Lemmy? Yeah, right. Sad, isn't it? It's funny and it's it's sad, it's sad and it's yeah, living and in real. Sort of it's apartment. so real. Yeah, and he's very honest and and uh, yeah. How is Friends for you? The opposite of real, you What's know. That? How is Friends? The show? Yeah, when you were on it as the mugger. Oh, yes, as the mugger. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was nerve-wracking. Right. Because, you know, they shoot in front of a live audience, and it's basically like you're doing a play, and you're just stepping in with this one part, and, and, uh, actually preferred, uh, the Seinfeld. Because right, Because that was yeah, shot yeah. on film, and you can do, you know, a lot of takes, and... That was quite early on, right, in your career? Is that uh, one of the first sort of big things yeah, you did? I don't know. No, that was, I don't know, 96 or something? Right, right. For yeah. Friends, what, like 2001, two? Or oh, just blurs, does it? It's a blur. Just yeah. one big set. <laughs> the set of life. What's been the favourite film you've been in? Is the, from the experience, from Elf. Elf. Oh, man. I mean, I, uh, that's way up there, I isn't really, it? I really kind of had this What a magical fantasy, film that is. Yeah, I had this fantasy of being in one of those films. When I was growing up, I thought, God, it'd be great to be in one of those Christmas films or one that's an annual thing. And uh, as luck would have it, somebody dropped out of that movie. It was, uh, I think I flew up to Vancouver and, uh, uh, like the next day, and it was directed by uh, John Favreau, who I'd worked on on... Uh, uh, Freaks and Geeks or uh, yeah one of those shows and so he knew me and I just stepped in for this guy and it was just the greatest experience you could sort of feel on the set it was uh, it just had a little bit of magic and Will was you know hilarious and I've seen with Peter Dinklage kind of before he was blew up and uh, yeah. he was a very nice nice guy and, and it was just a really fun movie and, and uh, got to meet James Caan and he was just a trip, just endlessly telling stories <laughs> from the old days. Do you reckon he could still knock anyone out? He well, looks so every tough, story doesn't that he? he has <laughs> ends with some that he is beating somebody up. And I'm like, I've gone my whole life. I'm like old. I've never been in a fight. <laughs> right. I've never found it necessary. Violence always seemed like, why would you? You could hurt somebody. Yeah. Like, walk away. But yeah, James has found it. Just every story had a fight in it. <laughs> it's so, so old school. <laughs> I'm drawn up on assault charges. <laughs> but, uh, funny guy. Funny guy. Um, thanks so much for your time. This has been great. I hope you've enjoyed it even half as much yeah, as me. Thank you. Put it right there. Well, Good luck tonight. I'm going to be at the show, we're so I can't wait. Hands, as you see. That's, ba- that's what you call behind the behind. What is it? The actor studio behind the curtain. Yes, um, yes. I'm coming to the show, of course. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go get some food, and then we're going to come down. And uh, very excited to see it. All right, I'm gonna try to score some heroin, and then uh, <laughs> just your standard pre-show ritual. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you, Carl. All right, brother.
the mucky muck Castle made of clouds There sits Wonder Boy Sitting oh so proudly Not much to say When you're high above the mucky muck Yeah! Yeah! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.